Well, good morning again. And last week we were looking at some verses from 1 Peter that God desires us to have, a, as the good old King James says, a lively hope or kind of a living hope that God wants our hope to be alive in him and that we live in that as we follow him. And, you know, that hope allows us to look beyond our present circumstances into something that he has for us that he wants us to enter into. You know, he, wants, he has a hope for us that brings life, encouragement, strength, you know, especially as we consider what he has for us in eternity, but even in this life. He, he wants to give us a living hope and you know how, how he can turn, even in this life, he can turn what's meant for a curse into a blessing. Thank God for that. What is meant for evil towards our good. And that we are to learn to live in that hope as we pass through this life. Of course, we're going to go through difficulties. Right? One of the things we looked at last week was the trial of our faith. That, the, that God is going to bring a, and orchestrate situations that are going to purify us like gold. Right? But the difference with gold and silver was that silver tarnishes, and so God is dealing with those things, removing all those things that can tarnish us, our reputation, the work of God in us, but you know, even tarnish the wonderful name of Jesus. He wants to remove those things from us and so I want to just continue along that same theme, actually in the same chapter of Peter, because as we continue, there are some things that we can see are a requirement to live in hope or to have living hope, you know, to live a life of hope in God. Some things have to take place within us. And I, I wanted to look at some further verses here in First Peter chapter 1 and verse 13 to see how we can develop and keep that living hope going in our, in our hearts. 1 Peter 1.13 says, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ, as obedient children not fashioning yourselves to the former lusts in your ignorance. So Peter is saying there's some things here that need to happen in our lives for that hope to flow and right that we're to hope to the end to lay hold on that hope and not let it go but for that to to take place some things need to to happen and one of them lies in the area of our mind or our thoughts you know like that the classic king james phrase gird up the loins of your mind that's almost like shakespeare doesn't really mean a lot to us but it sounds poetic right now of course this it's a phrase alluding to um, the garments of olden days in asia and the middle east right they would be long and loose they would kind of flow and those garments worked well with the technology they had back in the day for hot weather and so forth Um, but if they had to move quickly the those garments were not good for running sprints or anything like that Uh, so they would take the garment hike it up, wrap it, and shove it in their belt, basically, is kind of what it would do. Then they could run. And so I don't know if you can kind of picture some of the stories of messengers being sent by David and, or so to report to David. That's what they would have done if you could have pictured them. Right? They weren't wearing Nikes or you know, running, running pants or anything like that. They had to wear these long, flowing garments, and so they had to 
store that somewhere so they can run. And so that's the analogy that's, that the Lord is using or that Peter is using here as the Lord's speaking through him. And so, you know, the message is, is that, you know, it can be okay at times to let our thoughts and imaginations flow. I mean, we have to be creative at times, and sometimes we, you know, we use that. But there's other times that we have to take control of our thoughts, or they will keep us and prevent us from running the race that is set before us. And now we can kind of relate this to hope, as we've probably all had times where our mind starts to wander. We start to think of scenarios. Well, what happens if this takes place, and what happens if that takes place? Right? I mean, even even now in in society, there's some scary things going on. I mean, you can probably look at the news and see all sorts of stuff. Right? The virus going on and so forth. You can do all these scenarios. What if what if it comes to our hometown? What are we gonna do? Quick, order some face masks off Amazon, or you know, right? We can get all these scenarios of things that are happening. Right, what people are thinking, maybe maybe they're thinking that about me, I don't know. It can be really difficult to hold on to hope when we have those scenarios playing out, when our thoughts are running wild and so forth. Because those thoughts, instead of making us hopeful, make us fearful and panic and sometimes despondent, wanting us to give up. Now, the prophet Jeremiah he had a tough ministry. You know, sometimes you read about these prophets and hearing from God and experiencing the presence of God, but yet they, I don't, I don't know if I would have wanted Jeremiah's ministry. He preached for many years and very few listened, and pretty much all the kings persecuted him, and he was eventually put into jail. But he saw some very hard things, right? Jerusalem was destroyed and so forth, and they never listened to him. And it was very discouraging, probably depressing when he thought about it. He's probably grateful the Lord didn't give him a picture of what his ministry would be like from the beginning. Right? And so that could be very discouraging. But he did something, right? And we can read what, what he says. He did something in order not to become discouraged and to give up, to combat those thoughts and feelings and everything that was, I'm sure were stirred up within him. Lamentations 3 and verse 21. Here's what Jeremiah did. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed because his compassions fail not. They're new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Now, Jeremiah was going through some pretty horrific times. And thanks God, you know, I mean, we can compare our situation to Jeremiah's and we're doing pretty good. It's going to have to get bad to surpass Jeremiah. But yet we can practice what he did. This I recall to my mind. I am going to think about these things and it's going to cause me to have hope. I'm going to remember. I'm going to think about the mercy of God. I'm going to think about how compassionate he is and his faithfulness that he's not going to leave us or forsake us. That causes me to hope. And, you know, that carried him through. And there's many battles that we're going to face in life, in our spiritual life. And, you know, quite often the battleground is right up here. It's right in our minds. 
in our thought life. In Ephesians, the Apostle Paul was describing the armor of God. And I'm not going to the one you might think of. <laughs> Ephesians 6.14, Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. Amen. Have on the girdle or the, the belt of truth, as other translations put it. You know, that's why it's so important for us to focus on the Word of God and have it kind of constantly in our mind and what we're referring to and what we're comparing things to, to fill our minds with scriptures and verses that will encourage us and keep us and words that God's spoken to us, promises or words of direction, that we're holding on to that, instruction and so forth, because that will hold us together so that we can run. Because our thoughts are tucked in and tied in to the belt of truth. I remember a story that Sister Bailey shared, you know, the wife of our Pastor Bailey, our founder. And one of the times, I think it was one of her teachings that she was sharing how she was going through very difficult times. She had heart troubles and she had open heart surgery and all these different physical ailments. And, and she was sharing in one of her classes how it was so bad that one of the things she did so that she wouldn't get discouraged, she kept a little piece of paper folded up and in her pocket, and sometimes just she would hold it in her hand all day long. And on that piece of paper was a verse. Actually, it was from First Peter. And it was First Peter 4 and verse 1. It says, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. And she was just holding that before, you know, as a reminder to her spirit and to the Lord. Lord, you're leading me through suffering. But I'm believing that you're going to do something through this. That it's going to do a good work. Right? It was a constant reminder. God was doing something in her flesh. Right? In her natural flesh. So she set her hope on obtaining a victory over the nature of sin within her. And that was her anchor. I mean, that, that was something. It was as if she was tucking up her garment and her thoughts into the belt of truth, and it allowed her to continue on her journey. Even though she was passing through the, well, the valley of the shadow of death, you could say. But it's like David in Psalm 23 and verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of, sh of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, and your rod and your staff, they're a comfort to me. You can bet that David was, think was thinking about the Lord an awful lot in that valley. He was holding on to God. There's probably a lot of fear. If he let his mind and his thoughts run away, he could think of all of the the power of his enemy and all of them trying to out to get him and so forth. But instead, he, he chose to focus on the rod and the staff. God's truth. His direction, right? The, the rod and the staff, that's what the shepherd would use to direct the sheep and to move them around or get a hold of them at times because he had to put medicine on them or different things, right? Us little sheep, we don't like to get, you know, the shepherd to all grab a hold of us and do stuff, but we need it. And David said, Lord, it's your, it's your staff 
It's your rod that's going to work for good in my life. And so I'm going to look to that. He followed that. He stuck to it like glue. That's significant for those who are at the Bible study. We talked about sticking to the Lord like glue. But but there's something important in relating to this thought of, of hoping in God and controlling our thought life. Now, I want to get back to those verses in Peter, and I'm going to read them in a different translation here. And 1 Peter 1.13, this is from the ESV. It says, therefore, preparing your minds for action. That's another kind of way that it can be translated for girding up the loins of your mind. Preparing it for action. Be sober-minded. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Verse 14, as obedient children. Do not be conformed to the passions of your former life, your former ignorance. And so Peter is saying we have to prepare our minds for action, and so we bind up our thought life into the belt of truth, and we follow him so that we can be obedient children. Not conformed to the passions of our former life or former nature where anything goes, but we're bound up in his truth. And so obedience is something that is key in order to keep hold upon hope so that hope can be an anchor for our soul and the ability to keep our thoughts under control and so forth. There's another verse in in 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 5 where the Apostle Paul is telling us this is something we have to do. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. That's a neat verse, but you know, when you think about what he's saying, how many thoughts do we have during the day? I don't even want to count. I mean, it's all day long, right? Every minute of every hour of every day. You can do the math. That's a lot. But yet, the command to us is take every thought captive. Now, it's not that we need to start writing a journal of every thought we think during the day, but you know, we can start to learn what is flowing with the obedience of Christ and what is not. Right? We can put the what is flowing in a, in a category and say that you're good. It's the ones that aren't flowing They're the ones that we need to take captive and we need to identify. You know, that's really what this is about is those thoughts. Sometimes we can have a thought that pops into our mind and it's a mystery. How did that thought even get in there? Sometimes we know because we've been thinking about something and it comes back. Other times it's like, why did I think about that? I have no idea. I don't know if it's the enemy planting little seeds and thoughts and desires and so forth. But really... The Apostle Paul is talking about our part. What do we have to do to lay hold upon hope and have a living hope and can live in that and walk in that? We have to take care of our mind and we have to obey him. And so our part is we take every thought and line it up to the belt of truth, to the obedience of Christ. If it flows with the way of God that he's leading it, leading us, then it can remain and we can think about that. If not, it has to be removed. Now, we won't look at 
at these, but in, in Philippians chapter 4, it talks about the eight gates that, are, that can be upon our mind, that we can pass our thoughts through like a filter. You know, whatever's true or honest or pure or good report, etc. Think on these things. And if we'll pass our thoughts through that, then only the good will remain, right? The, the pure water that comes through a, a strong filter. If they don't pass the test, we take them captive and cast them out before they create problems within. And, you know, Peter said, so that we can be like obedient children, walking in the ways of our Father. And so there's that concept of concerning obedience. We have to watch out for areas of disobedience to what God is saying, even the little ones, right? Sometimes we think we kind of rationalize, well, I'm making a big sacrifice for God here. I'm doing this for God. I'm coming to church every day. I'm doing all sorts of stuff. You won't mind this little area. I need to have some fun. The problem is, is it's kind of like having a fortified castle. We can have a secure and hopeful thought life, but we're not paying attention to this one little area behind the back that the enemy's digging through, and he's opened up a little hole. And and at the front of the castle looks great, but he can come and go as he wishes through that little hole, that little area of disobedience can cause a lot of trouble. And so it's, it's another examination, right? We're, we're careful of, of our thoughts. We pass them through the eight gates, but we're also examining our actions. Is there any action that's not lining up with the belt of truth to what God has been saying or his instruction, perhaps his still small voice? You know, if you think about that, by its very nature, the still small voice is easy to overlook, easy to miss, easy to, to, to not hear or other things to drown it out because it's a still small voice. Why God wants to do that, right? Well, it's, he's working in us, I guess. He, sometimes he speaks with the earthquake and the fire and the wind, and it's really nice when he's, boom, right there. But other times, Lord, are you speaking? Maybe he is, but what's going on with our ear? Is something drowning that out? Maybe we have something that's, annoy- that's making more noise than his voice that needs to be quieted. Maybe we have allowed some thoughts to remain that are churning things up of worries, anxieties, fears, concerns, or so forth. Maybe we've acted upon something and that disobedience. Is that thunder or is that? I don't know. <laughs> Have we acted upon something? Maybe a desire we've given into it? It caused us to fall short in a certain area? What do we do? Well, there's another verse back in 1 Peter that I think we can look to. 1 Peter 1 and verse 22. Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth. We purify our souls when we obey the truth. Through the Spirit, to unfeigned love of the brethren, see you love one another with that pure heart, fervently. And so, obedience to the truth, it purifies us, it cleanses us. You know, obedience is so powerful. It breaks the power 
of thoughts that are trying to take a hold of us. It cuts off the bad fruit of those thoughts that, that are trying to, those bad thoughts are trying to produce in us. It sets our soul free from turmoil, from strife. But the key is to allow the truth to be applied to our thoughts and to our conduct. Lord, is there any area that I'm falling short in? Is there any area where the enemy has wormed its way through the wall, so to speak? Is there something that's causing me trouble in my thought life? A little door that's been opened. And and then we listen for that still, small voice. And it's so wonderful that when he speaks, and sometimes it's a still, small voice where we're like, Lord, is that you? Even though it's not an earthquake or a wind or a fire, sometimes the only way we can be sure is by acting on it, by walking in that obedience. And we're rewarded with cleansing, with peace, and with hope. And so Peter is showing us the way to hope and how we can live in it, we can abide in it as we're making our journey on this earth, until our hope comes a re- becomes a reality in the next life. But until then, we lay hold upon it. We live in it. We learn to gird up the loins of our mind, to set our mind upon Christ, to prepare our mind for action, to obey God, and to follow him so that we can run our race and Of course, in doing that, taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ so that it lines up with the belt of truth. And anything that doesn't line up, we discard. Like Jeremiah, we recall to our mind the things that will give us reason to hope in God, and we don't let them go. We lay hold on those things. Remembering to watch out for any little holes in the wall of our obedience to Christ. And if we find them, Lord, cleanse me. And of course, it's not just the prayer, it's the action. Lord, cleanse me, and then we walk in it, and we're cleansed by obedience to his truth. And the truth will cleanse our souls and establish us in that pathway of hope. And Father, we're just so grateful, Lord, for the hope that you have given us, Lord, for the living hope that you want us to enter into and to possess in our journey in this life. And Lord, we cry out to you for fresh grace and strength today to do so. Lord, would you just work in us, oh God, that Lord, we could gird up, Lord, our mind and Lord, take control of our thought life. Lord, we ask for grace to do that, that you would even identify when, Lord, we're thinking things that need to be filtered out. Lord, teach us to establish those eight gates, O oh God. And, and Lord, that you would just work within us. Lord, would you speak through your still, small voice. Lord, thank you for your patience, that you continue to speak even when we miss it. Lord, would you speak and make those things in our lives clear that are causing us issue, Lord, where we're disregarding it. Would you move, we ask, in your mercy and in your compassions. Thank you that they fail not, but they're new every morning. Lord, we just set our eyes, we set our minds and our hearts upon you today. Lead us in your pathway of hope, we ask. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Lord bless you.